At first, it was just one sheep per day. But as the deadly dragon grew more powerful, he demanded more and more. Soon it was the people of Silene themselves, so intense was his insatiable hunger, his desperate desire for more and more. Until, until one day a courageous knight named George agrees to confront the dragon. After a long and bloody battle, George finally defeats the cruel beast, saves the princess, and rescues the town. With what weapon did George slay the dragon? A spear? A lance? A sword? Maybe, just maybe, the dragon was slain by love. Welcome to Slain by Love, your weekly sermon podcast from the pulpit of St. George's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Y'all, please be seated and good morning. Great to be with y'all this morning. One of the upsides of having several gay couples in your church, now you're listening, one of the strange and, 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 and surprising is that when the women's retreat rolls around, there are still people in the church. It's awesome. Now, I don't know if y'all know what a feeling wheel is. A feelings wheel. Anyone know what a feelings wheel is? You probably do, because this is St. George's. Uh, a feel. Oh, I'm going to tell you. A feelings wheel is a little device that can be useful for uh, teenagers, also children, whenever it's it, also adults. Whenever it's difficult for you to express how you feel, whenever it's difficult for you to find the words to talk about your feelings, that's whenever a feelings wheel comes in. Oh, look, I just happen to have one. Now, uh, I couldn't find one yesterday when I had this brilliant idea for a sermon illustration. I could not find one uh, at any brick and mortar store. So alas, I uh, downloaded, bought one online and downloaded it. And here it is. And like, here's the other page with the little spinners. You're supposed to cut them out and laminate it. You put the, these are like spinners. You spin it around and then you can like put it on the wheel. You affix those to the wheel and that will help you uh, figure out what your emotions are. The spinning wheel. The spinning wheel. I have an idea. Let's bring the spinning wheel to the psalmist this morning, shall we? Let's see what the psalmist would point to on the spinning wheel, Psalm 116. Let's ask the psalmist how he feels. Now, at first... In verse 2, the psalmist feels sad, right? At first, in verse 2, the psalmist feels sad. He would have to point and, and make the spinner go to sad, right there. It's the blue one, sad. At first, the psalmist feels sad. Verse 2 of the psalm this morning, the cords of death entangled me. The grip of the grave took hold of me. I came to grief and sorrow. At first, you see, the psalmist is sad. The cords of death, the grip of the grave, grief and sorrow. I wonder if there's anyone here this morning who knows what that's like. I wonder if there's anyone here this morning, maybe online, maybe here in the room, maybe at the women's retreat, who knows, who is experiencing grief or 
sorrow. Maybe it's a relationship uh, that is suddenly imploding. Maybe it's an addiction that's getting the best of you. Maybe you're coming to the end of your rope medically or financially. The psalmist gets it. The psalmist understands. The psalmist is no stranger to struggle. You see, at first, he, I am going to use the masculine pronoun, I've looked into it, and it's almost impossible that the psalmist is a female, sorry. At first, you see, the psalmist, he is sad. Just like those forlorn disciples that we encounter this morning on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24, verse 17 of their story says in chapter 24 of Luke, it simply says they were looking sad. But the psalmist, he does not stay there. No, like those disciples on the road in Luke 24, they were on the road, and like them, the psalmist takes a journey. <clears throat> the psalmist makes a pilgrimage. He makes a pilgrimage and he travels toward joy. He travels toward Easter joy. And by the time we meet back up with the psalmist in verse 10, guess what? Everything has changed. Actually, even before verse 10 and verse 6, which is not in your leaflet for some reason, uh, it's not in the lectionary selections for some reason, but you could find it on page 759 in the Book of Common Prayer if you were so inclined. Page 759, you could if you wanted to. Verse 6 of Psalm 116. Verse 6 is one of my favorite verses in the entire Psalter. Verse 6 on page 759 says this. Return again to your rest. Return again to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has treated you well, See, the psalmist has now come to joy. If he were to use the feelings wheel, he'd have to spin it around and point to the word happy, from sad to happy, from sorrow to joy. How? How did it happen for him? How was he able to make this journey, this pilgrimage, well, it's very, very interesting. It's very interesting to me this morning because, you see, there's a theme in our lections this morning. That's a weird word, Father Matt. Lections? Yeah, lections. That includes all the Bible passages and the psalm and the collect of the day. Let me hear you say lections. And in, 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 there's a theme in all of our lections this morning on this third Sunday of Easter, and the theme is basically the Eucharist. The theme is basically the Eucharist. The collect this morning speaks of the breaking of bread, does it not? And the gospel lesson obviously does as well, right? So here's my question for you. Do we see the Eucharist? Do we see Holy Communion? Do we see this ritual of the altar? Do we see it in the psalm? Yes. Yes, we do. Anyone know where? Oh, wow. See, this is St. George's. It's crazy. 
uh, 11. Yes, two words this morning. The first one is in verse 11. It's the word cup. And then later in verse 15, we see another word, sacrifice. Cup, verse 11. Sacrifice, verse 15. I will lift up the cup of salvation, the psalmist says in verse 11. There is no doubt that this is a cup of wine. They didn't drink Gatorade or Kool-Aid back in the ancient world, and they wouldn't even be drinking water at a table. This is definitely a cup of wine, and we have every reason in the world to imagine it as the chalice of communion, the chalice of the altar, the chalice of joy. And then in verse 15, sacrifice, right? I will offer you the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Do we see the Eucharist there? Absolutely we do. Which is why on page 859 in the Book of Common Prayer, you don't have to turn there. You could, you don't have to. You could write it down if you're taking notes, and if you're watching online, you could make a note. On page 859 in the prayer book, we read that the Eucharist is, quote, a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Wow. That's almost verbatim lifted out of the Psalter, out of the Psalm, 116, verse 15. The Eucharist is a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving in which Christ unites us to his one offering of himself, close quote. So let me ask you, did you know that this, this I, I'm about to say something that I've been wanting to say for a long time. Uh, I've been wanting to say it even longer than I'm wanting to, even longer than I've been here at St. George's. This is something I've wanted to say in a sermon for maybe two or three years, and it's this. Did you know that the service of Holy Communion is a sacrifice? Did you know that? That's what I'm want, wanting to preach about today. Did you know that Holy Communion, what we do at this altar and at this altar rail, did you know that it is a sacrifice? That's what we pray in the liturgy, is it not? In a few minutes, we'll pray these words, and these are on page four of your surface leaflet. And here we offer our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. There it is again, sacrifice of thanksgiving, almost lifted verbatim out of the Psalter. And here we offer our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving to you, O Lord. We offer our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving to you, O Lord. Friends, what is this sacrifice? What is this sacrifice? Is Christ being re-sacrificed on the cross? No way. No way. Just read the book of Hebrews. No way. What's being sacrificed is you. What's being sacrificed is me. We are being sacrificed in and with Christ. Please listen to me this morning. What we are doing in this strange act, this strange action involving bread and wine is this. We're placing our lives upon that altar. We're placing our lives upon that altar. We are becoming living sacrifices, sacrificios vivos, living sacrifices, Romans 12.1, which is why, see, it's not stewardship season, but I'm about to talk about money, which is why the offertory is so important. The offertory is so important. The money that we place in those 
alms basins, those offering plates is so central to the Christian life and so central to the Eucharist. It is so central to the Christian life, not because the church needs money, no. The money in that offering plate represents your life. That is one of the ways that we become living sacrifices. We sacrifice our lives, all that we have, all that we are to God in Christ. The money in those plates is part of what is consecrated on this altar slash table. It's an altar and it's a table. And one of the things that's consecrated and offered back up to God in addition to the bread and the wine is those plates, the money, the substance of our lives that's in our livelihood, right? Our livelihood is in those plates. That's one of the things that is consecrated and offered back up to God. It's not just the bread and the wine. Have you ever wondered why the plates are placed on the altar in Holy Communion? Is that just some kind of nicety? No. It's because that's the sacrifice. That is being consecrated every bit as much as that bread and that wine are and being offered back up to God. So what we put in those plates matters, not because the church needs your money, but because we are called to freedom. We are called to be living sacrifices. Are you with me? By the way, there's another thing going on here because you see, what's being sacrificed is you. Which is why I asked my 15-year-old, I asked very little of my 15-year-old, and as a priest, it's important not to put pressure on your kids, right? But, but this is why I asked my 15-year-old when he approaches this altar to receive the body and blood of Christ. It's why I ask him to say to God, I ask very little of him, but I ask him to say this. I want you to say, Eli, at that altar rail, I am yours, Lord. Help me. Save me. Transform me. Why? Because this ritual action that we do at this altar is about that putting yourself, your life upon the altar of God and saying, Lord, I am yours. And here we offer and present unto thee, O Lord, ourselves, our souls and bodies, all that we have, all that we are. So how'd the psalmist do it? How did he travel from sad to happy on, this, on the feelings wheel? How did he find joy? Here's how. He learned the secret of sacrifice, self-sacrifice. A super fancy word for it is self-oblation. That secret, friends, is contained in verses 10 and 11 in the psalm. You could look at it if you wanted. Uh, verses 10 and 11 of the psalm, look at it with me. At first, these verses make no sense. How shall I repay the Lord for all the good things he's done for me? I will lift up the cup of salvation. Huh? How is lifting a cup repayment to the Lord? That, that doesn't make much sense. How is the lifting up a cup repayment to the Lord? Answer, it's not. See, verse 10 is a rhetorical question. It's not a real question. It's a rhetorical question. How can I repay the Lord, verse 10? It's a rhetorical question, and the, impl the implied answer is, I can't. 
I can't. So what do I do then? I say thanks. I say thanks. Thank you, Lord. I offer a sacrifice of thanks. Verse 15, I live in gratitude. But here's the thing. What do I say thanks with? Words only? No. I say thanks with my life. See, that is the answer. That is the secret right there. It's why the sacrifice is joyful. It's why we can rest and lift up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord, this cup of salvation, this chalice of wine slash joy. There's one Christian teacher who likes to say, all you need is nothing, which I like. But here's the, here's the deal. That nothing is everything. It's like that line from the Janis Joplin song, freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. Freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. When you've lost everything, she is saying, you're finally free. That's what the psalmist is saying too. How can I repay the Lord? I can't. I can't give him anything. Therefore, I'll give him everything. My very life. I will become a living sacrifice. I will move from sad to happy. On the feelings wheel, I will move from sorrow to joy. I will lift up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Thanks for joining us at the pulpit of St. George's Austin, where the love of God in Christ slays our enemies, our fears, our guilt, our worries. How are they slain? Only by love. Special thanks to the good folks of St. George's and especially to that masterful media guru, Liam Dolan Henderson. See you next week. Peace and be well.